sinners like they all do. But this one's really, just the reports and the testimonies I'm getting are just incredible, what God's doing. We're talking about grace, and maybe you're here for week five, you can go online and listen to the other four weeks. But today, I'm going to talk about offering grace, extending grace. And uh, so turn to the back of your worship guide if you have one, and that's a great place to follow along. As I talk about grace today, we've talked about various aspects of grace and what it means to follow Jesus and to follow Him hard and to and to rest in His grace and to apply grace and be liberated and be healed and be restored and get saved and be sustained. And today, we're talking about offering grace, extending grace to the other person. And this is a message that every person, whether a Christian or not a Christian, a, a solid Christ follower, a, a carnal Christ follower, we need to hear about forgiveness. It's one of the general themes and tenets of Holy Scripture. It's one of those things that God just continues to press in from Old and New Testament and that the Holy Spirit whispers to His church in 2009. And as long as the Lord tarries, He'll continue to speak to the church about its need for forgiveness. I think forgiveness, offering grace is the one that we want to look at, that we need to look at, that we need to receive afresh this morning and go, God, what would be the lesson for me? Every person today... I believe the Holy Spirit is going to set you up. He's going to ambush you with His love, and He's going to try to show you. There's, there's something I want to say to you about forgiveness. And for some, you might say, well, man, I, I really need it. Or, hey, I'm, I'm contemplating this forgiveness. But this series is about being blessed by God, that we can be a blessing to other people. We can carry the good news of Christ. In Scripture today, at the very top of your worship guide, the same verse from two different translations, the Gospel of uh, Matthew, chapter 10, verse 8. Listen to the word of the Lord. Give as freely as you have received, says the Living Bible. Another translation says, give as you have received, without a charge, whatever. Without any charge, whatever. Here it is, give. That's always been the heart of the Papa, of the Father. Is that we would give our lives away freely as He has given His life to us and His own Son, Christ Jesus. And this thing about giving it away, we, we have the opportunity the privilege, the honor, the responsibility to give away grace, to give away forgiveness. Now, it's not cheap grace. It's not abusive grace, but it's just grace that astounds. It's grace that mesmerizes. It's grace that changes us. And I want to start off this morning a little different about what forgiveness is not. Get ready to write. Fill it in. Forgiveness, it isn't conditional. You know, we live in a world full of contracts and conditions, and if you do this, I'll do that, and if you don't do that, then I'll withhold this. That's never been the nature of God. God's all about us obeying Him and following Him, but God's love is unconditional. His forgiveness is unconditional. He offers us forgiveness while we were yet sinners. The Bible says Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. He died for you and I. You're saying, well, I'm in Christ. He still died for you, and you had to realize that at one time to, to rest in this forgiveness that he has for you. And real genuine forgiveness is unconditional. It doesn't have limits on it. it it's, this, it's this forgiveness that's so powerful that words don't even serve us up right that we can really talk about it in the way that we really need to. You don't earn forgiveness. You don't deserve forgiveness. And, you know, you can't buy forgiveness. I mean, there's just no way. It's too great. And some say, well, I'll bargain for forgiveness. Oh, you can't bargain with God. Oh, you can try me people all the time, man. God, if you get me off this airplane, God, if you get me off this roller coaster, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Well, whatever. And we got a crazy couple that was in the first service. They went skydiving several weeks ago. And his wife was ecstatic about jumping out. He wasn't. She pushed him. No, she didn't. But he jumped out. No, Clint, man, he jumped out, did that skydiving. What a man. What a crazy guy. But 
This forgiveness that Christ gives, it's all about what Christ has already done. It's what Christ is doing right now. Even this morning in our very lives, he says forgiveness. And number two, it isn't minimizing. It's not minimizing the offense that was set against you. It's the seriousness of the offense. It doesn't minimize or make that little. It doesn't reduce it to nothing. Because uh, to not say it's a big deal, you'd be lying to yourself. Oh, man, when you've been offended, when you've been grudged, when you've been wrong, it is big stuff. And forgiveness is reserved for big stuff, for, for big things. Now, being unforgiven is because you've been wronged. You, you, uh, you suffer. You hurt. You have pain associated with it. We could go up down the road today and people would go, man, I, I've had a lot of pain over my sin. And I was reading USA or a newspaper article several weeks ago. And I came across this article that I found totally intriguing. In this article, I found grace. I found grace in a way that was so refreshing. I was reading about this high school ball player. And this ball player was uh, playing ball, and he was, he was a pitcher. I could identify. I used to be a pitcher myself. And he was, uh, he was in the game, and he threw this pitch. And, and studies tell us that only a few people ever get hit in the face, and very few have ever died in the game of baseball. Well, this guy, he, he throws the pitch and he hits the batter, hits him in the face and has a horrible, horrific thing that happens. It, it kills the young man. The, the guy, the kid, the batter, his dad was there. His dad had just got back from Iraq, had been there for a year. He was watching his son. He was so proud of his son because his son was starting to get university letters and where he might go and play college ball and live out his dreams. And now he's dead. And this article went on to tell me that uh, the soldier, the dad, he went to the, uh, to the young man because the young man put his glove down. He said, I'll never play again. I cannot play that sport. It caused the death. He even knew the guy he hit. He says, I just can't, I can't play. It's too tragic. He said, I've killed somebody. And that father exhibited, offered grace unlike I've seen in a long time. He said he walked up to the young ball player and he threw his arms around him and he hugged him and he told him this. He said, son. I want you to get right back out there, and I want you to go right back to pitching. I want you to play ball. That was an unfortunate thing that happened. It was totally accidental. And yes, it killed my son, but I want you to know, if my son could talk to you, he'd tell you right now, I want you to keep playing ball. And he said, I want you to play ball, son. Wow. You're talking about an exchange of grace, an exchange of offering grace. You know, I don't know. I'd love to wish I could find I don't even remember which paper I was in that day reading this article, but I've often wondered over the years, I bet that family, that dad that lost his son, I bet he'll track this young man. I bet he'll track him in college, and I bet he'll track him when he gets married, and I bet he'll track him if he has children. Who knows? Maybe he'll get to be an adoptive grandparent. But it was a great story of being grace-filled and offering grace. Instead of being captivated and captured by the prison and the bitterness of hate and revenge and anger to Almighty God and anger toward this young man, he forgave and he he released a blessing. Wow! That's grace. That's the kind of grace I want to know. That's the kind of grace that I want you to have in your life. So we talk about liberating. This is liberating. So there's a difference. I want you to write down this. There's a difference between being wounded and being wronged. Wounded means wounds are unintentional. Just like that illustration I just gave you. That young man, he didn't intend to harm the other young man. It was an intentional, accidental act of life. But wrongs, they're intentional. 
their own purpose, their own focus. They meant to harm. They hurt. They meant to harm or, or disarm. And what does God say to us? I need you to accept my love. I need you to offer this grace when it seems like it's unbelievable. There's no way. So you reserve, you reserve forgiveness for the big stuff of life. Now, this is definitely a big act. Number three, it's not resuming the relationship without change. It means there needs to be change. And, and by what I do, by being a pastor, I have people come in my office all the time. And many times in marital uh, relationships, and they're broken, and they're mean, and they're bitter toward one another, and, and sometimes just toward life. And I always encourage them. I go, man, I don't want you to go home the same way you came in. I don't want you to go back into that relationship the way it is right now. There needs to be a change. And they'll look and they'll go, man, you're right, preacher. And sometimes they go home by the grace of Christ and they begin to offer and they begin to express grace to the other person. And God heals and redeems and restores. Hallelujah. And sometimes they go home broken and bittered and bruised and no way. And, and I know this, it doesn't guarantee the future of the relationship. But God says, don't resume the relationship as it is. Change. Forgiveness is not reconciliation, although reconciliation is what God would have for us. Because reconciliation takes two people in the process. But you can offer forgiveness whether the other person receives it or not. You can offer forgiveness in Jesus. But there's three keys for reconciliation. I want you to circle this around here. Or actually, it's already a box. You don't have to. Three keys for reconciliation. Number one, repentance. Restitution. Rebuilding. Repentance. Restitution. Rebuilding. And if we'll apply these three areas into this area of our life, our relationships, God can heal. God can redeem. God can certainly reconcile. What does it mean to repent? It means that I go this way and I turn. I have a turn of direction. I change my mind. I change my way of thinking. I change the way I view it. Changes come in my inner man. Changes come in my thought life. Changes come in my attitudes. Secondly, it's restitution. You make things right. If you've wronged the person, if you've stolen for the person, you respond. I'm reminded in Luke 19, the wee little man in the sycamore tree, and his name was? Man, he was a thief. He was a robber. He ripped people off, baby. Man, he was giving away back so much because the Bible says salvation has truly come to your house, Zacchaeus. He knew what it was to change. And when I read that story, wow, I said, God, there's hope in Christ. And the third one is rebuilding. You begin to rebuild the trust. You see, forgiveness is an, is an instant thing. Once we choose to forgiveness, it's instant. Rebuilding? Man, that could take a lifetime. That could take an hour. That could take a week. That could take a month. That could take a year. It could take years. It takes a while. And God says, I want you to develop a track record of real, genuine, sincere change. And in doing that, I'll be glorified. And we're called to repeatedly forgive. And we'll see that in a moment. But to trust? takes time. Point four, it isn't forgetting what happened. We have a saying, forgive and forget. Sounds nice, but it don't work. Forgive and forget. Our Father has the ability to forget our sins and remember them no more, but for us to forget and forgive, I've read a study about some scientists, and they say our brain has such capacity that our brain it's like multiple warehouses, and it stores thousands and thousands and thousands of file cabinets all in there. And all the activities and deeds and thoughts, it remembers them all. You're like, wow, man, that's better than my Mac. 
I mean, I didn't say PC if you noticed. But it's an amazing thing. I'm sorry, I, I got a visitor. It's a demon, but that's another story. So it begins to, it, it, it fills this, and it, it fills the mind. And, and yet, some people go, no, I forget. You might have such an event that is so traumatic, and you're able to block things out. But I have talked and seen and read and experienced and talked to people that something happened 5, 10, 25 years ago, and they blocked it out because the pain was too much. And then finally, it wasn't gone. It's just they chose not to remember it, and it came back. And sometimes they begin to deal with that. Maybe there was healing and completeness and restoration. So I ask you, have you forgotten here? See, you forget something by replacing it with something else, with something greater. And God here wants to restore us, and he wants us to give us his thoughts. But there's something better than forgetting here. It's remembering. Remembering the goodness of God, his love, his grace. It's about how God brought good out of bad. Good out of bad. How you grew in character, how you grew in Christ's likeness because of the experience you're going through. It's how God changes the direction of your life. I told you earlier, I'm getting ready for one prayer for our church, and I'm praying through the videos that we're going to show you for the month of June. And there's a guy, Don and I were in Birmingham at the Church of the Highlands a few years ago, and I wanted to go hear Chris. Met Chris, spent a little time with him last summer, the pastor there. And that day I got there, I ran into an old member of Christ community, Philip Jureghi. And he came to me and said, hey, bro. I said, hey, you didn't knew you'd been at Christ community. I said, hey, bro. And we started talking. He goes, hey, today's this Chris isn't preaching. I went, oh, crud. He goes, but man, we got a wild man in there today, a Cajun. I said, another Cajun? He goes, yeah, Dino Rizzo. I go, I like his name. I walked in, that guy brought thunder. So I've been kind of keeping up with him. Well, he's the first one I've got, we're going to experience on June the 7th. You don't want to miss that day. This guy, he makes me look like I'm at the funeral home. I mean, he's wild, man. He's got life, and he's, he's going to come. And so I was getting ready, and I've been, because I'm trying to go through all this and make sure, that is that the message our body needs to hear? And I was walk, walking through it the other day. And he comes to this point, and it stopped me. He goes, when I, I didn't talk till I was three years old. You that know me, I didn't talk till I was five years old. I went, how about that, man? Dino's crazy. I'm crazy. We both preaching the gospel. Both of us couldn't talk, couldn't talk. We don't shut up now. We just giving it everything we got. I'm like, I like this, bro. I can't wait to meet him meeting a uh, person, you know, just to hang out. Man, I, I can hang out with this guy. You know what I'm saying? You, you just wait till you see him on the screen. You're going, yeah, and if you do, call us because you're going to be uncontrollable. It'd be like me eating 10 donuts before I come out here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just going to be good. Maybe I'll drink a Starbucks and go see him. I don't know. And I don't even drink that stuff. But here we go. So God, so he wants us to remember. But here's another one. Right in the word realize. We realize the sovereign grace of an almighty king. And I think about the passage out of uh, Romans chapter 8, 28. God is working all things for good. Do you know out of my greatest pain in my life, God has used that to bless and touch churches and touch lives and touch thousands of students over my ministry? Losing my mom when I was nine years old. It was a tough deal. And I've shared out of that pain, and I've shared out of the pain of my life, and out of the pain of the church, and the victory of the church. And let me tell you this, write it down. Your greatest ministry is the pain in your life. Do not waste the pain in your life. And the church said, God has allowed pain in your life for a purpose, for the greater purpose of Him. I just believe that. You're like, well, man, I don't want to choose this. Well, you don't choose it. You don't get to choose it, but you get to choose to worship God. You get to choose to exalt the name of Christ above your situation. And in exalting Jesus, people get free. People get encouraged. People get refreshed. 
Amen. I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. Number five, it isn't my right, we say. When I wasn't the one who hurt the other person. Culture teaches us the other thing. Let's just run around and offer forgiveness to everybody. Let's just give them blanket forgiveness. Oh, that's dumb. You don't offer forgiveness unless you've been the person offended, and you're the one that begins to offer this forgiveness. You pronounce forgiveness to the person that has brought offense towards you. Forgiveness, though, doesn't remove the consequences of sin. Sin is real. Sin is painful. I don't understand why some sins and the consequences are greater than other sins. And it seems like sexual sins and sins done against the body are greater than other sins. But sin is sin, and Christ died for sin. Right, church? But there's consequences, and you can be forgiven. Hallelujah. That's what the grace of Christ does. But you can have pain. And God wants to get you past that pain that you use the pain for him. But let's talk about what genuine forgiveness is. One, remembering how much I've been forgiven. You know, sometimes the more we're in Christ, the farther we get down the road, we go, well, you know, I'm not too bad of a sinner. I'm not like them. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Beat your chest, man. You're a sinner. And remember when that grace first touched you and begin to go back and say, God is awesome. Ephesians 4.32 says these words. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, or as in Christ, God forgave you. Circle the word. As in Christ, in Christ, positioned in Christ. He's our security. He's our strength. He's our focus. In Christ, there's forgiveness. In Christ, there is grace. In Christ, there is hope. We're forgiven. We start at the point that we put our faith in Jesus. In Jesus alone. He carries us through this life. We're forgiven because we trust Him. There, we, we, The more forgiven we are by God, the more forgiven that we feel, the more we're willing to extend, to express, to share forgiveness with another person. This morning, some of you, you don't share forgiveness very much because you just don't feel forgiven. You just don't believe the reality of God's Word. You just don't, you think it's for everybody else, but you think you're too much of a sinner. I had a young man call me this week in pain been ministering to him for the last 25 years and he was suicidal when he called me and we ministered for a while and I talked to him I shared about the hope of Christ and I recalled the things because he's been one of these guys he's in Christ he's free and doing good and he seems to get into bitterness and depression and he goes back and he's in and out and he's just all kind of things and the beautiful thing was we, we shared the hope of Christ and we talked and we talked and we talked through things and I shared scripture, and I just kept trying to share the hope of Christ. And we had prayer together. And when I got off the phone, he he just said, "Hey, I'm elevated now. I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm gonna be all right." And then before I knew it, he sent me a text and wanted to let me know, "Man, thanks for taking the time just to share a little hope of Jesus to let me know I'm forgiven." I don't know if you know this, but uh, when uh, Governor Wallace was governor many years ago he stood at the steps of the University of Alabama and was opposing African-American students for going there you remember that you're old enough ran for the presidential race in 1972 he was shot by Arthur Bremer one day and the rest of his life he spent in a wheelchair what you don't know is Governor Wallace repented fully of his sin but Governor Wallace was always haunted because I have the personal stories of what he told a friend of mine. He always wanted to know that. Can I be forgiven? 
can I be forgiven? And the answer is, yes, absolutely, in the grace of Jesus Christ. Isn't it an awesome God we serve this morning? You say, man, I'm too wicked, I'm too bad. That's the devil, man. That's not God. I don't care what you've done. God can forgive you if you're willing to biblically repent and turn from sin. In Christ. And I got a question I was just thinking about. Do you feel grace today? Do you just simply feel grace? What? Do you feel grace? I think you can feel it as you experience it, Mr. Here. Number two, you relinquish your right to get even. You just, you just give up. You just go, man, Romans 12, 19 says, Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. But it's my right to get up and get even. No, it's not. God will make all things right in his time and in his way. And you absorb the pain and you don't retaliate. Oh, so many people, they want to retaliate and they want to get even. But I just keep coming to this thought, forgiveness is grace. Forgiveness is grace. Amazing grace. Grace that covers all our sin. You're saying all our sin? It can when you apply it. So justice is fair. Forgiveness is grace, and it's God's way, and God's in charge, and somehow he's going to make wrongs right when it all sorts out, because he's God. He has the ability. But third, we want to respond to evil with good. Responding to evil with good. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, the great love chapter, Paul just says, it's not rude love, is it? It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. It just proves itself. It just continues to love. You release somebody. And I thought about this thought that I learned a long time ago about forgiveness. Because people, so many that I talk to go, I don't feel forgiven or I can't forgive or I'm not forgiven. When you really forgive somebody, they can come up to you and they can call the name of a person that's offended you and you don't get knocked in the pit of your stomach. You know what I'm talking about? You don't make looks and like, ah, I can't believe you said their name. But here's how you really know you're forgiven. You can and you've offered forgiveness to the others, you can begin to pray for that person, and you pray blessings, and you pray hope, and you pray the absolute best for the other person. I've had to do this a lot of times, and I still haven't arrived in this area, but I'm a practitioner. Would you join me in being a practitioner of exerting, expressing, offering grace, church? That you can pray blessings on that person that offended you, that person that wronged you, that person that hurt you. You pray the very best. You pray heaven down for them. And you mean it from your gut, from your soul. You go, God, glorify them or glorify your name through them. God, bless them. Pour out the blessings of heaven. God, I want them to da 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 what up? Wow, that's biblical forgiveness. You're like, well, man, I ain't there, brother. Well, let's learn how to get there. Let's get them to Jesus. Let's just put them right before Christ. Forgiveness is, forgiveness, we have to admit, it was wrong. I was wrong. It mattered. I care. But I'll release you. Write that word down. I'll release you. I'll release you in Jesus' name. Forgiveness literally means to release, to send away, to let off the hook. To release someone, to send away, to let them off the hook. You don't owe me anymore. Your debt, your trespass is canceled. That's free. And the thought that I want you to do the oval now is hurt people hurt people. Wounded people hurt people hurt other people. They hurt out of what's going on in their soul. They just hurt. And I don't know what it is to be wounded. You know what it is to be wounded. And God wants us to get past that and to be strong. I was reading a, a thought by Neil Anderson. He, to quote him, he goes, Don't wait to forgive until you feel like forgiving. 
You will never get there. Feelings take time to heal after the choice to forgive is made. Forgiveness is an act of our will. Forgiveness is an act of your will and my will. I choose to forgive you in Jesus' strength. I choose to forgive you by the grace and the mercy of the Lord God Almighty. But I choose to release you, to forgive you. And we're not here to keep score or go, I'm keeping score in the bedroom or I'm keeping score in my marriage. I'm keeping score at the office or that relationship. You just go, I release you. I don't have time to keep up with this, man. That prison's too tough. And the fourth thing is you repeat the process as long as necessary. What? Well, you know, Jesus was questioned by that one day. Peter asked, Lord, how long should I forgive somebody? Seven times? Well, not quite. How about 70 times seven? The key there over in uh, Matthew chapter 18, 21 and 22 is infinity. Keep on forgiving. You don't have another thing, but the command of God is forgive release set them free man just you know get this thing going man don't don't keep trying to get revenge or trying to make it right let god do that bitterness is this prison forgiveness the bitterness that it wrecks it devastates it destroys it diminishes it it zaps the joy that's what i want to be i want to be a person of joy how about you church how many of you want to be a people of joy i love that Man, I want to have eternal joy. Joy is what's happening inwardly despite my world or externally. Things are junk and falling down. I was talking to a guy last night at the Braves game. We had about 20 men. We had a great time over there. And the guy got me off. He said, hey, I want to talk to you about happiness. He goes, I don't even think happiness is biblical. I go, well, you're really right. But joy is. And joy is that inward work that expresses itself outward because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of Christ working in you. And today, your house got flooded. There ain't no joy in that. You lost your job. You can't get a job. What joy is that? But the joy of the creator that lives in you, that died for you, it can fill you. Your body's got cancer. You can have the joy of Jesus Christ. I've stood by many a hospital bed with people dying that are friends and family. And weak bodies and machines and oxygen and tubes. And watching them struggle hard in the joy of Jesus. That's what I want. What's happy about that? But the joy of Christ eternal. Seems like you came to the second service. I didn't get that last service. That was just hey, I was just free. Thought I'd just share that with you. Hey, did I I gotta write this down. This is good. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and then discovering the prisoner was you. I read a story years ago, and I ran across it just last night again about Leonardo da Vinci when he was in Milan, when he was painting The Last Supper, and he had had a uh, strong disagreement with a friend. He had made a fellow painter his enemy, his arch rival, and they, uh, matter of fact, they got into this bitter argument, and he despised him, and he had no place for him, and so da Vinci thought, well, I'll get back at him. I'll use his face in the painting. He can be Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. So he thought everybody that would come in would look up at his friend, he would see his face. He thought, man, that's justice, and I'm going to serve justice. The only thing is, as I read that story in history, he suffered painter's rot. And he couldn't paint the disciple's face, basically. And until he finally chose to forgive his enemy, a fellow painter, 
And as soon as he did, God began to let him do the painter's faces. And then he finally did the face of Christ. And the thought is, I just wanted this morning, can you look God in the face and you say, I'm forgiving others. They're not going to be my enemy any longer. I I want to be free. And there's not resentment there. Let me share this with you. I've shared it before, but I've got to share it because I've always got new people. Today, forgiveness is a theme. And some of you are thinking, well, I've got to forgive a mate. I've got to forgive a friend. I've got to forgive my parents, my father that abused me, my mom, my aunt, my weird uncle, whatever, crazy uncle, whatever you want to say. But here's one. Some of you have one and you go, how am I going to deal with this? That uncle, that mom, that dad, that neighbor, that brother, that sister, they're dead. Here's the most powerful thing I know. This afternoon, you need to get away with Jesus. You need to pull a chair out like this in another room. And you need to kneel before him. And you need to invite your heavenly father into this moment of time. Into this moment of space. And ask him to apply his grace. And forgive that other person. And discover that you are the prisoner and it's time to get free. And the church said, there it is. Pretty simple, isn't it? Like, man, you say it's simple. Well, I've been there. I had a person in this church from several years ago. I had to kind of go do one of these. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's painful, isn't it? It's hard. But forgiveness is real. What does unforgiveness do? It damages our spirits. It hurts us physically. It tells us that it causes cancers. It causes uh, premature deaths. It harms our relationships. The greater thing is it d- diminishes and it uh, destroys our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Unforgiveness stings. But let's listen to John Ortberg. I think this is powerful. Number one, forgiveness is available. It's for- available to the world. It's available to all, but it's really only come to those that trust in Christ. But God makes His forgiveness available. Secondly, forgiveness is applied. When you receive grace, when you apply the merits of Christ Jesus, you're forgiven. So it's, it's available to all. It's applied. You apply it to your life. And I like to see, then forgiveness is enjoyed. You enjoy forgiveness. You learn to live in it. You learn to walk it out. And that makes you a person of joy. The illustration would be a rich uh, aunt died and she set aside $100 million to her nephew. I just wish they went to Christ community. But anyway, but, here, but here's, the, here's the story. They just set aside $100 million and, and wanted them to have that. And so it, 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 uh, so this, these funds were going to be made available at some point. Well, the aunt died, and the $100 million was available. But then they went to the reading of the will, and they said, well, now we're going to transfer the $100 million into your account. You were a pauper, poor, now you have $100 million. You know, that's a pretty good bank account, okay? So it's available and now it is available, but you have to apply it. And then ultimately, you could have $100 million in your account. But if you didn't begin to write checks out of it and live out of it, you would never enjoy it. It would only be in the account. The grace of Jesus is like that. The grace of Christ comes to you at the point of salvation. And he expands and he extends and he covers us in grace. But you have to apply it. And when you begin to apply grace to your life, then somehow by the supernatural power of God, you begin to walk in it and you enjoy it. And my, my prayer is, may we be people that enjoy grace and we walk in it. Hallelujah. That's God's goal for the church. 
I meet so many people, man, they're just in prison. They're not free. They're not enjoying grace. So today, I just am going to ask people to receive grace. And we're going to have an opportunity here in the next few minutes. And we'll just respond to the goodness of God. That unless you forgive, God can't forgive you, the Bible says. Or he chooses not to. And unless you deal with the issue and you keep it hidden, you don't, forgive, you don't get forgiveness and you don't get peace and you don't get joy. So today I think that uh, forgiveness is a continual process called life. So today I, I think the people are going to journey to a place called forgiveness. I'm going to invite the worship or the altar teams at both the crosses just to go over to the crosses. And today we're going to have a great song, uh, but we're not going to do that now, but just in the quietness and man i thank god for your gift jeremy to lead and to play we, we got a few minutes and this is why i came to talk to you right now the spirit of the living god is walking up and down those rooms he's been tugging at your heart all service i know he has i have felt the power and the presence of god i've sensed his conviction and some of you are going to choose to go out in the rain or whatever's doing and you're going to leave like you came in and some are going to choose that they were a prisoner and today they discovered it was them and they're going to be free in Jesus name so I'm going to invite people to run walk, carry somebody take a hand, walk to the crosses and receive Christ for forgiveness of sin receive Christ's grace for your life release that person that you're holding on to that you're all ensnared in but you know right now there's an opportunity so right now can, can y'all just cut the lights down a little bit more? I, I want to make it a little easier for people, just kind of the quietness of the moment. Would you just get up out of your chair? Would you take a person by the hand right now and go, would you go with me? I want to get free today. Come on, church. Begin to move. I know this is a message of passion and forgiveness and restoration. And I've preached my heart out for four of the five weeks and Lee did last weekend. I want to see people get liberated today. Let's apply the grace. Let's don't make it a theological concept. Let's make it a heartfelt experience. Begin to move. Come on, church. You know, man, right now, if you're getting a nudge, get up, move, respond. Don't hold on to your sin. Just go, Jesus, today, today, Lord Jesus, you are more than enough. You can't speak to this many people and not have more meaning to go might say well today's too hard you might say he's not through dealing with me on the issue that's fine some of you i'm going to invite you to pull the chair out in your room this afternoon and you and the father meet it'd be powerful but grace is this concept that god gives in his love that's embodied in his son and he gives and offers it to you and i've tried to preach to the best of my ability the last we would learn and receive grace because grace is not for the other person grace is for me grace is not for my neighbor grace is for you rest in the grace of jesus and walk it out and don't run back into legalism but stay free christ sets us free he is a liberating king he is to be worshiped in his house god i pray a blessing north, from the south, from the west, from the east. Would you bring a blessing of this congregation of faith, God? Would you do a work today supernaturally, God? Set people on fire. And may they
they live out the reality that the grace of Christ is for them. We love you, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'll tell you what. I've got through four minutes, and that means you can uh, go out there and get wet. All you men, go pick up your wives. Be nice. And if you don't have a mate, just ask them out in the foyer to go get your car for you. I don't know if it'll work. Hey, thanks for being here next weekend, Memorial Day weekend. I hope you'll pick up the uh, barbecue tickets. And uh, is there anything else I need to talk about? Somebody help me. Did I forget anything? Well, hey, that's it. Have a great afternoon. <laughs>